touchdown. What a return to the NFL. It's been for him. Three. Didn't get there. Looked like Jamal Adams may have led the charge from his safety position. Two. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes. Listen safely. Can't wait. 14 has mono and will be out for this game. So Trevor will be starting. That was Adam Gase dropping the latest bombshell from the New York Jets. We would actually consider making this a daily podcast if the Jets kept bringing the news like they have been this week. Tim McMaster along with Connor Hughes. This is the Can't Wait Podcast. And man, that is the latest news. Sam Darnold out indefinitely with mono believe it or not. So multiple weeks more than likely. The bye week, of course, comes up early for the Jets, so we'll see if that maybe helps out. Levy and Bell also missing practice. Quinn and Williams, C.J. Mosley, Quincy Anunwa on IR. There's so much to get to, and it's such breaking news that Connor's actually joining us from the Jets facility via his phone. That's how quickly we want to get you this information on the Can't Wait podcast. Connor, you can't make this stuff up. I know, Tim, you, you, you really can't, man. I mean, it's actually kind of crazy. I jumped on this beat in 2014, and over those, well, I guess five, six years, I, I've already had a, a situation where a quarterback missed a chunk, a chunk of time to begin the regular season because a teammate punched him in the face. And now the new one is, is that the guy's got mono. So, I mean, this, this was an utter surprise. I mean, and, and it's a surprise for the Jets as well because when they sent Sam Darnold home not too long ago on, on Wednesday, they thought that the kid had strep throat. It was one of those things where – get him loaded up with some antibiotics, get him all ready to go. And then what you'll have is a, a guy who's able to play Monday night while well, a little less practice time, but still he'll be able to play. And then what they find out now is that they're going to be without their starting quarterback, somebody that they believed was going to be a franchise quarterback for the foreseeable future. And he is out indefinitely, you know, with mono and I'm going to be talking to a medical professional actually in a, in a couple hours here. Uh, so I'll have a story up on the athletic, really analyzing exactly what is going on with Darnold, what the symptoms are and how long you can expect him to be out from somebody who knows a lot more about this than I do. But, you know, with mono, your spleen uh, basically swells up and you can't have physical contact because if your spleen then ruptures, I mean, you could quite literally die. So this is a situation where where the Jets are pretty much playing a waiting game and they have no idea when when the most important player to this franchise is going to be back. The uh, coaching staff found out about this late on Wednesday night. They actually went to Darnold's house. So that's kind of a personal touch. Um, I thought that was neat to hear that they went that far and, and to talk to him about it. And his attitude from what Gay said today was positive pretty much right away about how do I get back? Yeah, well, that, his initial reaction was basically, you've got to be kidding me. And he was down. I mean, he did not take the initial diagnosis well because you're basically a guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's someone who believes he's going to be a franchise quarterback and be a franchise quarterback this year. And he's now told that he's going to miss an indefinite period of time. So that when the original, like, re, when, it, when he's originally told it, it was, no, this isn't true. This can't be happening. Absolutely not. But when the realization set in, it immediately shifted. And Gay said this it shifted from, not woe was me, or you've got to be kidding me to, okay, how can we make the most of this? So the biggest problem that Darnold is dealing with now is that he's losing weight. He's already down five pounds. A lot of that's because you're kind of lethargic. You're not really working out. You can't really eat. So he's starting to lose some weight. So he needs to find a way that without being able to work out, without being able to train, without being able to play football, how can he keep his weight up so that when he does come back, 
whether it's in three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, or a couple of months, that he is still in a shape where he can just come back to practice, get his feet wet a little bit, and then hit the ground running. So uh, he, the, the tough part about that is, Tim, is that he can't be at the facility because he's going to risk infecting his teammates. So what you kind of got to have now is where the Jets need to be bringing him meals and be bringing him these treatments and be bringing all these things that he needs to keep his weight on to his apartment. So uh, this is going to be a wild uh, ongoing process over these next couple of weeks for the Jets to try to not only get their quarterback back to a point where he can play, uh, but also to a point where he's physically not out of shape or, or out of or, or kind of just out of sorts. It is incredible, and it's not just him, but let's get into a little bit because he's going to be out for a while, and that means that, that Trevor Simeon steps in. Is there any confidence in the backup quarterback at this point? Somewhat, because this isn't a situation where you know the Jets are going to a guy who is unproven. Trevor Simeon, I know he's only I think he's 26, 27 years old, but he has started and played games. I mean, at one point, the Broncos thought that this guy could be the, the replacement to Peyton Manning, and they let him do that. I mean, he went 8-6 and six as a starter, during that, I believe it was the 2006. I believe it was the 2016 season. He went eight and six as a starter, threw more touchdowns than interceptions. He led that Denver team. He's got nice control of the huddle. He's a guy that people follow. So you do have that veteran insurance behind Sam Darnold, a guy who can step up, a guy who can play quarterback. It's not like you have uh, Luke Falk starting this game, or Davis Webb, or Christian Hackenberg, or Bryce Petty. I mean, this is a veteran who's been there done that in the league but still there is a significant drop off between Darnold and Simeon and that's kind of where you start to have these issues where now the Jets where they could say you know what our quarterback can win us a game now they need to kind of win in spite of their quarterback a little bit so they're going to need other guys to step up they're going to need big games from their defense they're going to need their playmakers on offense now Demarius Thomas but also Jameson Crowder Robbie Anderson uh, Le'Veon Bell if he's healthy because now he's dealing with a shoulder issue to make these plays and kind of make the job easier for the quarterback where before when you had Darnold in there, you you were confident that Darnold would make everyone else better. Gay said multiple times, thank goodness we have the early bye week, um, which is uh, it's not the best ideal situation anyway, depending on how long he's out. But interesting that he immediately kind of looked to that. Now, the Twitter reaction to this was immediate. Um, and it seems like everybody has a mono story except me. I was kind of thinking back. I never had mono. I don't have a great mono story to share. You do, though. So before we move <laughs> no, on. They're going to make fun of me for telling this on here. We, oh, we sure are because you put it on Twitter. So it's open game for the podcast. Yeah. Uh, roller skating, man. You, you can't miss out on those parties. Oh, no. I'm, I, I was in fifth grade, Miss Grocer's class. And, uh, yeah, I came down with mono. I don't have, like, some really cool story where I was, like, this badass kid who was kissing girls. And, like, that's what I was, you know, I was the cool kid. No, I got it from like band. Like I played the saxophone and I'm pretty <laughs> sure like something happened there with the music stand and like somehow it, you know, you're, you touch something and then that's where the germs are and you put it on the mouthpiece and then you get it and that's kind of how you get it. But the really demoralizing part was that I, I had to miss uh, Nicole Hoffman's fifth grade party at Scooters where it was a roller skating party and, and I wasn't able to go to that and, and it, was, it was really upsetting. It was demoralizing. I tried to convince my parents. I was like, no, I'm good. I promise I won't fall. But again, when your spleen swells, if I were to fall down in the skating rink, you know, I could have like ruptured it and then and then died. So unfortunately, I was not allowed to go to uh, Nicole Hoffman's uh, fifth grade roller skating party because I had mono. It was a very, very difficult time for fifth grade Connor. And uh, I, I don't know if I've ever truly recovered from it. Shout out to Scooters. Shout out to Nicole Hoffman as well. <laughs> uh, you mentioned you mentioned Simeon and then Luke Falk becomes the backup now. Do you expect this team to make a move or are they confident with those two guys being the depth? 
Uh, I think they're going to be confident with those two guys being the depth. It really depends on what they decide to do with Sam Darnold. There's a chance that they, I mean, again, he, he's getting additional test run right now to determine how far along he is. Has he already dealt with this for two weeks and the Jets just didn't catch it? Is this something where he uh, just caught it and the Jets caught it right away? So it's going to be a little bit longer. So the Jets need to decide, is it okay to roll with just two quarterbacks? Can they put a third one on the practice squad? And if something were to happen, then they can activate him. You don't really know. So this is a big wait-and-see process. I mean, I know Davis Webb is still out there. The Jets could theoretically go and add him. Uh, there's the possibility where if this is still very early on in the early stages of Mono and Darnold's going to be out seven weeks or something like that, the Jets could also put Darnold on the injured reserve, use that roster spot to add another quarterback, and then activate him later. So there is still so much uncertainty with this situation, which is why Darnold's out there getting additional tests. I mean, look, the, the Jets just figured out that this kid had Mono at 10:15 Wednesday night. So we're now on Thursday now. They're still getting these tests run. They're still figuring out additional things. And then from there is when they can go on and move on and try to figure out what to do specifically at that quarterback situ- uh, position. But I think that for the, right now and for uh, at this point in time, they're going to go with Simeon as the starter. And then once they activate Falk off the practice squad, he'll be the backup. You mentioned needing the offensive, other offensive guys to step up, which is certainly true. The problem is Le'Veon Bell didn't practice today, having MR, an MRI on his shoulder. I mean, if they don't have him or Darnold, I don't know what the offense does. Just update us on Bell. Yeah, Bell is the, is the one that kind of got lost in all of this, right? I mean, when he, we talked to him on Wednesday, and we asked him how he felt because this was his first game played in over 600 days, and he said, you know, he's sore which he expected, but he was fine. Well, that soreness is now a little bit more than, than maybe what, what some people thought because he did not practice on Thursday. Officially, it did not participate in practice. Uh, Gase said that, that they're getting an MRI on that shoulder and provided not too much other information on that. And the reason why that is noteworthy is Adam Gase is not like Todd Bowles. Excuse me. Adam Gase is not like Todd Bowles in the sense that he is very secretive when it comes to injuries. He's not going to give you the full report as far as this is the exact tendon that he hurt and this is how long he's going to be out. But when an injury isn't serious, he tells you the injury is not serious. So a uh, perfect example, Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas did not practice on Thursday for the Jets because he's dealing with a hamstring injury. But Gay said, don't worry, the guy's going to be on the practice field on Saturday and he will play on Monday. He did not say things like that with, with uh, Bell. He said, you know, look, we think it's just soreness, but we're being cautious. We're going to get an MRI. We're going to see. I don't know. He didn't say he's definitely going to play Monday. He didn't say when he was going to practice again. So... Look, this is a dire situation for the Jets right now in their, in their physical status because now not only are you talking about being, being without their quarterback, they could potentially be without their running back. They could potentially be without their number one receiver in Quincy Anunma. Chris Herndon is still suspended, and defensively they're dealing with issues as well. So uh, this is a team that's banged up. This is a team that is bruised and dealing with this atrociously difficult schedule that they have coming up. It doesn't look good for New York. Yeah, how about the defensive update? Mosley, you mentioned, uh, and, and Quinn and Williams not practicing today. Talk about that side of the ball. And, and I mean, if those guys can't go, obviously, it's, it's doomsday. Yeah, uh, Quinn and Williams was out of the walking boot. I saw him in the locker room on Wednesday. He walked in and he walked out. And he did not have a walking boot on. Did limp a little bit, so I still think it's probably unlikely that he plays on Monday. But still, I mean, they got Friday, Saturday, Sunday to go. Uh, to try to get him healed up and ready. Uh, Adam Gase has said multiple times that he's healing pretty quick, and he likes to see that. Mosley is the question mark. And again, I, I've gone to this multiple times, that when you're dealing with a soft tissue injury, you don't want to screw around with that because that's one of those things where if you force a guy on the field too early and you kind of make him take the field before he's entirely ready, you can easily tweak that injury, and suddenly a one- or a two-week injury turns into a two- or three-month injury. And when you're dealing with a groin, that's something that you don't want to mess around with. So uh, 
uh, Mosley did not work on Wednesday. He did not practice here on Thursday. We'll see what he does on Friday and Saturday, but I would say that it seems very unlikely that he plays Monday because it just doesn't make sense for the Jets to rush him out there on the field. They need him for the long haul, not for the quick fix Monday night against the Browns. Connor, I know you're running around. You got to get back in for the coordinators. Thanks for uh, coming on, and we are we're gonna keep doing these emergency pods as long as the Jets stay this interesting. This is pretty ridiculous. I mean, we, this could technically have been like our fourth emergency pod this week, right? Because <laughs> yep. you had the Thomas the Thomas signing, which was like okay. I mean, we were talking to Marissa about it. We're like, oh, emergency pod time. And then the next day, a nun was on the IR. And it's like, oh, emergency pod time. And now Darnell has mono. It's like, oh, extra emergency. I mean, we're going to be doing this daily at this point, right? Yeah, you're never going to golf again either, just so you know. <laughs> that's, that's probably a good thing for, my, for the way I'm shooting right now. All right, man. Thanks a lot. No problem. Thanks, guys. All right, as Connor heads back into the facility to gather a little more information on this crazy day, we're going to get you ready for the Browns game coming up on Monday night because Connor joins Zach Jackson on the Civilized Barking Podcast. Here's the two of them breaking down this Monday night game. Connor, I want to start like this. Browns at Jets, home Rams Sunday night, at Ravens, at Niners Monday night. Give me the Jets next four. Uh, loss, 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 loss. How does that sound? No, they, uh, look, this is an absolutely brutal, brutal schedule for the Jets coming up here. After the Browns, they'll play the Patriots, then they play the Eagles, then they play the Cowboys, and then they play the Patriots again. In fact, the only easy game that they get these next few is them, and they play the Jaguars because they're going to be without Nick Foles. But, you know, that's kind of why this first game for the Jets was so pivotal against the Bills is it's probably the only game on the schedule that you can say, oh, the Jets should probably win that one. Because these next ones, I mean, even after what happened to the Browns last week, I mean, this is this is just murderer's row for New York. Yeah, that, that's kind of the point as I was looking through some of the Jets stuff and, and just knowing what's ahead for the Browns is both teams really, really, really need this game. Uh, it's still only mid-September, even by the time Monday night turns to Tuesday morning. But somebody's going to be 0-2, unless they tie. And given Browns <laughs> history, maybe that'll happen. Uh, and somebody's really going to be up against it. Um, you know, the Jets had a big lead. The Browns had a brief lead in theirs, and they were never really in it. They were stunned. Uh, my vibe from here, Connor, is this. You know, all all spring long, all summer long, I had this game circle. It's Monday night. The Browns are never on Monday night. It's Greg versus Freddie. It's Greg versus Baker. It's Odell coming back to New York. It's all this hype. And now, in reality, it's the Browns just got bulldozed. Um, they're dealing with an incredible tragedy given the loss of Christmas' girlfriend. They have very few building points from the first game, and they have to pick up the pieces, go on the road to what I'm sure will be a raucous environment, and try to beat a team that's also imperfect, but really has to think that it should be 1-0. Yeah, well, well look, I mean, the, the Jets did everything that they needed to do uh, to win that game against the Bills. It wasn't pretty by, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, the offense managed eight total points. I mean, they, they were nearly outscored by their own defense. That scored eight points. And then the and then the Bills themselves, who scored 17 points. So uh, while offensively, the Jets absolutely should not have been in that game. I mean, they were gift-wrapped three extra possessions via turnovers uh, from Josh Allen and managed a whopping zero points off of that. Their defense kept them in it. They, they harassed Josh Allen. They were all over Josh Allen. I mean, their their defense should have won this game, and, and they put together a performance that should have won. But on that final possession uh, for the Bills in the third quarter, the Jets lost C.J. Mosley, and when that happened, their defense absolutely imploded. Um, he was their defensive signal caller. Forget what he can do as far as his talent. He's arguably you know one of the one of the top middle linebackers in the NFL. Forget that. 
he's the quarterback of that defense. So he's the one who's yelling out uh, the assignments. He's the one who's getting everyone lined up. He's the one who's dissecting the offense's play and then positioning his teammates to shut it down. When he left and Neville Hewitt had to step into that role and Blake Cashman, a fifth round rookie, had to step in. There was just nothing that the Jets could do to slow the Bills. I mean, they went from an offense that was uh, basically completely defeated through two and a half quarters to one that that marched right down the field on touchdown drives of 85 and 80 yards to win. So, uh, yeah, look, it, it was a tough one for the Jets. Leonard Williams in the locker room said that they let it get away. The Bills know they let it get away. But at the same time, while the defense did their job, the offense did not. And if the offense is going to take the field – here at MetLife Stadium against the Browns and and score one touchdown or 10 points or, or put together an effort like they did against the Bills. Uh, look, the, the the Browns can can basically do what they did against the, the Titans last week and still win because you, you need to be able to score points in today's NFL. And the Jets didn't do that week one, and they have to find a way to do it here against Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. And obviously, I didn't see – I've seen highlights of the game. Uh, I plan to watch it on the All-22. I haven't yet. But, you know, if Josh Allen beats you early in the game with bombs or with improvising with his plays, that's what he does. But to let Josh Allen put together long drives late in the game when you're in command, that has to be extra deflating. Yeah, look, it, it was the C.J. Mosley injury. That's like if C, I, I, I will go down in the boat saying this is that if <laughs> C.J. Mosley does not get injured, the Jets win this game outright. I mean, it's probably a. It, honestly, it's probably a 16-3 to victory for the Jets, and they're going to run out the clock in the fourth quarter, and the, and the Bills are going to continue to do nothing. It was when Mosley went down that the Jets just didn't have any veteran capable of stepping in and filling the gap. If Avery Williamson didn't tear his ACL in the second preseason game against the Falcons, the Jets are probably still okay because he could have picked up the slack. But when you have Neville Hewitt, who I, I Zach, you probably have never heard who Neville Hewitt is before, and, and then Blake Cashman as your two middle linebackers, you're going to have problems, and that's what happened, is that the Bills just started hitting them for chunk plays right up the middle. Uh, David Singletary started breaking off long runs, runs that were not happening before because the Jets were able to shut them down. But then when they lost C.J. Mosley, that became an issue. And and right now, there's no guarantee that C.J. Mosley is going to be back for this game against Cleveland. Uh, he's dealing with a groin injury, which you don't know how he's going to respond. You can try to do treatment. You can try to get him ready. But at the same time, you don't want to rush him back on the field because when you're dealing with an issue like that, yeah, Mosley might be 60-70% and have a chance to play on Monday night. But if you throw him out there and he tweaks it again, he's out for the next two or three months, then you're really screwed. So, you know, the Jets kind of have to play this one smart. As much as they need Mosley on the field, they need to realize that this is just week two. And having Mosley on the field weeks three through 16 or three through 17, I'm sorry, as opposed to then having him miss the next eight games, you got to weigh which one's more likely and which is the one that they need to have happen. Well, I don't know Neville personally, but I have seen Greg Williams coach some bad players. I have definitely <laughs> seen that. So, um, Demarius Thomas, and now we know because we didn't know of the injury to Anunwa. Um, that desperation is that, you know, is he the number two receiver or the number four, I guess I'm asking? Uh, number two, honestly. I mean, yeah, it, w- it was a desperation move because as soon as Quincy Anunwa went down, the next receiver that was going to be up for the Jets was Josh Bellamy. Josh Bellamy, the special teamer, who's like 30 years old and I think has you know under 30 catches in his career. I mean, that was the next guy. This team, uh, largely because of the ineptitude in drafting by Mike McCagnan, is in a dire situation when it comes to depth. They they basically they don't have it. They they do not have depth on this roster. So if the Jets suffer an injury or two, you're suddenly in deep trouble. It's a, it's a big reason why Zach, the, you know, we were talking about, you know, CJ Mosley goes down and the Jets new linebackers are Neville Hewitt and Blake Cashman. I mean, they just, they just don't have the depth 
to withstand some key injuries. So when Quincy and Emma went down, the Jets basically said, uh-oh, we're in trouble. We need to do something. What's out there? And the first guy that could step in immediately is Demarius Thomas because he worked five years with Adam Gase, three uh, in which Gase was his receivers coach, and then two more where he was his offensive coordinator. The years that he worked with Gase were some of the best of his career. And, you know, you're going to see Demarius Thomas Monday night. The, the, Adam Gase said that he doesn't believe there will be any acclimation period at all. At all. It's basically going to be like riding a bike. He knows his verbiage. He knows the plays. The things that Gase is doing now is the same thing that he did with Peyton Manning and Demarius Thomas in Denver. So it should be one of those things where, where um, Thomas can essentially show up at practice. He was there today, did not work, but work tomorrow and go out there and play Monday night and, and have a pretty, pretty, pretty important role. He's going to be... Uh, the starting outside receiver opposite Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder, will be the, the, the Jets' slot, but I'd expect him to be, be pretty heavily involved uh, Monday night. All right. Um, I don't know when you'll listen to this, but when you log on to the Athletic app to either the Jets or Browns section Thursday or Friday, uh, and then through Monday you'll see a joint preview that Connor and I have begun working on. So without giving away um, much of what's in that preview, Connor, answer me this. The Jets win if – Ooh, good question. Um, I'm going to say they win if the Browns offense performs like they did against the Tennessee Titans, where the offensive line seems to implode and the penalties creep in again. I think it was something new. Uh, the Browns were called for what, like like 12 penalties for 108? Yeah. Oh, geez. Wow. It was even more than I thought. Wow. <laughs> I knew it was a lot, but holy cow. Uh, wow. That's that's ridiculous. Uh, if They win if that happens again. And the offensive line struggles because if that offensive line for the Browns can hold up and the Jets defensive line is nothing really to write home about. They're going to get their pressure from Greg Williams uh, by by blitzing and creating unorthodox looks and confusing Baker Mayfield, which, you know, there's a chance of them doing because of the fact that, well, you know, Greg Williams spent quite a lot of time working against Baker Mayfield or uh, Baker Mayfield in practice last year. But if that offensive line implodes again and those penalties creep up and the Jets can basically get to Baker Mayfield before Baker Mayfield can get to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. who have the chance to absolutely destroy Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts. Uh, that's probably the only chance the Jets have of winning this game. You know, their offense can score points, but if their defense doesn't get to Baker Mayfield, I mean, th that receiving core is just going to destroy the Jets secondary. You got to think Odell's going to show up back in New York on Monday night. Right? Yeah, you think. Yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah. Um, on the other end, what I say is the Browns win if, you know, they, they don't implode from a penalties and discipline standpoint. Uh, they just cannot give up the big play. They got to make the Jets earn it. Uh, the Titans had a 75-yard screen pass touchdown counter, and then they had another one that was a 25-yard walk-in. And Deion Lewis, one of the best screen receivers in the game, just didn't catch it. Or that would have yeah. been a touchdown. So we'll I see. Meant too, that that, that D-line that, that the Browns have, I mean, it, it's, it's Sheldon, it's Vernon, it, it's Miles Garrett. I mean – the Jets offensive line, they have some talent. Like, there's some decent players out there. It's Kelvin Beecham at left tackle, Brandon Shell at right, uh, Kalecio Semele and Brian Winters at guard, and then Khalil uh, at center. But it, the, the one thing is that they are working together essentially for the, the first time. Uh, that this is the they, they started working together the fourth week of the preseason game. That was the first time that group of five practiced together. And then obviously that season opener was the first time they saw game action. So there's a lot of... Uh, potential for communication breakdowns in the Jets offensive line just because these guys haven't worked together. And when you're going up against a, a defensive front that's that athletically gifted and that talented as the Browns, I mean, that, that is a chance to just be uh, an under disaster for the Jets if those guys get going. 
one more thought from here. If it comes down to a kick, well, the game's probably going to overtime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, that you're yeah, that's a good good call. Yeah, you're probably right. All right, great stuff there from Connor and Zach on the Civilized Barking Podcast, another podcast that's part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Uh, this edition of Can't Wait normally would be behind that paywall. You'd have to subscribe. We're giving it to you for free on Apple and Spotify, etc., because of the breaking news. Uh, but make sure you get that subscription going on the Athletic for all the episodes of Can't Wait. That's going to do it for this edition. We're going to be back with you on Tuesday with a full recap of the Monday night game. And who knows, the way the Jets are going, we might be back before that with another emergency podcast. We will see. Uh, make sure you follow Connor on Twitter, Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Thanks to Marissa Morris for piecing this one together. She gets the MVP in the game ball for this one. Join us again on Tuesday. Tuesday.